Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Feliz Navidad, folks. It is the number one. I think we are number one now uh, with the <laughs> shutdown of Nintendo. Nintendo-related podcast in the world, Game and Talk. I am RGT85, joined as always by Josie. Josie, how we doing? Good. And yep. Nate the Hate. I, or were you done? You kind of paused uh, after that. So, yeah, no, I'm good. Okay. And Nate the Hate. Nate, how we doing? I am recovering from a very hostile winter storm we've had up here in the Northeast. Dumped a lot of rain, heavy winds, waves so intense it knocked the sewer crates right out of the street. So a wild start to the week leading into this coming holiday. I, uh, yeah, the winds hit me hard and I, I couldn't sleep. It sounded like I was about to get like blown up into the air, like friggin' um, Dorothy. So I had to, I had to sleep downstairs and I mean, it was all right, but yeah, it was, it was rough last night, man. It was rough. Um, before we get into the topics, of course, we got to do some house cleaning here. Shout outs to our producers and executive producers over the producer tier. We have Trent A. Uh, in the executive producer list, we have William Hoag, Mr. Joby, Joshua Butts, a.k.a. The Butts Man, John O, Achievement, and of course, our sponsor for this month, once again, is The Game Orb. If you're looking for gameplay videos, Twitch streams, convention walkthroughs, go to The Game Orb's channel. We'll have a link to him in the description box down below. They're doing good content over there. They support us, so we support them, of course. But let's get into the topics here. Obviously, we're kind of winding down the year, so, you know, there's there's not a lot of meat out there for topics, but there was some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about is, once again... Nintendo flexing their IP strength by taking down a fan game. There was a very interesting uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I guess it was the DX version because it was colored. Um, that came out. It had like 16 by 9 widescreen support. It didn't um, get janky when you'd switch between the screens. There was no like loading or anything. It was very smooth. You could zoom out and see like a huge portion of the map. The people involved in the project were completely anonymous. It just went up on a website and people found it. And after about three days, Nintendo took it down. So, yeah. yeah, this stuff is such a bummer. I feel like fans do really cool stuff all the time. And Nintendo just, they really, I feel like a lot of companies don't really mind it. Like Sega even took the people in and gave them more of a budget. But Nintendo is just always really against that stuff i was i'm wondering if it, it's here because it's like they already have a remake right on the switch i mean but, but the i mean this is more of the the game boy color version of the game yeah, more so than better this. yeah like i don't see like i get it protecting your ip yada 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 but i don't see like it's not like i can go out there and buy legend of zelda Link's awakening dx brand new for the game boy color where I can give you money for it. The only way to play it to where you give Nintendo money for it right now would be through Nintendo Switch Online. But okay. I feel like, you know, this is, the, like, the audiences probably don't sort of cross over. I don't feel like someone is sitting there and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I was about to get Nintendo Switch Online to play Link's Awakening DX, but now I don't have to because this new widescreen version's out there, even though... <laughs> The game's been emulated like since the dawn of time. Nate, what do you what do you think about? I mean, it's a very complex issue, and it's an issue that we see repeated virtually every single year when this case inevitably arises again with another fan game in the future. And it really just falls into Nintendo has the right to do what they did. But it's one of those situations where you really have to just stop and say, though it is in their right to do this. Is it something that they really have to be doing? And you could look at it and say, there's definitely no harm in having this hack and fan-made game available online for individuals to play because it doesn't take away from anything that Nintendo is currently offering. Yes, Link's Awakening is on the Game Boy NSO service, as you mentioned, and we do have the remake available as a native version on the Switch. But this is offering a very different experience. And as you were saying, 
it's not as though this is going to dissuade someone from subscribing to NSO because that was the one game that was really the determining factor for them to spend $20 a year or not. So it just falls into Nintendo should maybe evaluate these things a little closer and say, is it worth us getting that negative publicity to shut down a fan game? Or should we maybe net a little bit of goodwill and faith with the gaming community by allowing it to be there, catering to the audience that it does? And I knew some individuals that when they had discovered the game over you know the last few days, before it really hit Twitter and blew up everywhere, that they had hesitation of even putting out tweets because they felt as though the moment they gave it a platform and that they really just allowed it to be noticed, give it that vision that Nintendo was going to take notice of it immediately and issue a takedown. And in less than a week, that is exactly what happened here. So it's definitely one of those tough gray areas of Nintendo has every right to do what they did, but it just comes down to that question of, should they do this every time this comes up? And I think the majority of people will say, no, allow these games to exist. Use it as a recruitment tool. If you're Nintendo, if you're Nintendo of America, look at what these fans did and say, hey, we're working on some projects, or we recognize your talent. We'd like to recruit you and work with you on some future upcoming projects. Nintendo is just very harsh with that hammer, and they're not going to pivot away. Because at the end of the day, no matter how much people want to say, in the magical, go-lucky land of Nintendo, Nintendo is a cutthroat business. They are pure corporate, and they will flex their muscle at every opportunity that comes their way, and that's not going to stop. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if there's if, if somebody's charging for something like that, okay, you know, then that's, you know, that's kind of a different ball game. But if it's just like free and out there, like, I don't know, man. I, I just it, it's it's a it's a fight they can get involved in, but it is a is it a fight worth fighting? I don't really think it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to stop emulation websites and stuff like that. Like you could try. But then another one's going to pop up or I can go to archive.org and mm -hmm. download it. And then if that link goes down, somebody else is going to put it up like they're technically preserving stuff that, you know, Nintendo doesn't seem to have any interest in preserving. So I don't know. It, it's just it's all it does is create like a negative look for them. It, you know, people get that. Right. Oh, there, there goes Nintendo again. Why can't they be like other companies? So I don't know. And that's, that's the big thing with Nintendo, is that we can look just during this generation itself, where we've seen them pull games from full-on existence, and you have no option of being able to purchase the games legally anymore. And that would include titles like Mario 35. They release the game for the anniversary, and then completely pull it from the eShop and shut down the servers. And they also had Fire Emblem, which was the original Fire Emblem game, first time ever localized for a Western release. And they gave it a limited run on the eShop. And then once that arbitrary deadline hit, they pulled the game from the eShop. So if you didn't buy this Fire Emblem, there is now no legal means for you to play the only Western release of the original Fire Emblem game. But if you wanted to go to an emulation site, Nintendo would say, whoa, you can't do that. Well, how, how else am I supposed to play the game? You took it from us for no reason beyond... Well, it was for an anniversary release, so we gave you six months. Well, and uh, uh, 3D All-Stars, same thing. That was yes. a little limited time thing. Oh, you didn't buy it? Well, too damn bad. You could buy it used and pay a ridiculous amount of money because I'm not selling it to you uh, on my eShop or anything. So if you didn't have a Nintendo Switch, then well, you're just shit out of luck, pal. Like, Remember it, how many people were... A lot of people were defending that, saying... Well, limited is good, or they were so confident that Nintendo would allow us to purchase these digital versions of Sunshine or Galaxy after that deadline had hit. And you and I were two voices that argued against that, because if Nintendo were to put up those games as individual standalone eShop purchases, it completely nullifies the point of having a timed anniversary edition. Because now, anytime they come out with an anniversary, you're going to sit there and say, well, I can wait until the deadline passes because it's going to release that collection as standalone games. Nintendo made a statement. They did it. It was terrible. And the fact that you cannot buy those games legally is just baffling. And as you said, with the secondary market, I have to go to GameStop and give you $65, $70 for a used copy of Mario 3D All-Stars. 
Luckily, Nintendo overshipped a game where they shipped physical copies in the range of like 10 million copies. But that's beyond the point. The point is, these games, if you wanted to pull the physical copies, fine. But you should never pull a digital offering from a digital storefront. That should always be available, especially in the case of a Mario game. This isn't a matter of licensing or anything of that fact. It's just Nintendo was a greedy company who sought to exploit FOMO and did so with masterful results. And the fan base said, okay. Yeah, and then going back to like the the game, the uh, the fan games a little bit, like AM2R supposedly is like one of the best quote Metroid games there is and that's nowhere to be found anymore, which I feel like is kind of sad. Did you have a chance to buy uh, 3D All-Stars? Like were you even playing? Oh yeah, I did. Oh, oh okay. I yeah, say. I just switched since 2017, and when that when they announced that it was, I kind of did what I think Nintendo wanted everyone to do, and just rushed out and grabbed it because I was worried that I wouldn't ever be able to play them. Yeah, but it caused a lot of FOMO for sure, and that's why I think it sold so well, and it it was successful in its own right. But it's just a really scary business practice, I think. It's a ridiculous business practice. Like my brother bought his son, so my nephew, a Switch in 2022. And my brother will ask me, where can I buy a new copy of Mario 3D All-Stars? I say, you can't anymore. He's like, why isn't it on the eShop or anything? He's like, why do I have to spend $70 or more to buy it from GameStop, Walmart, or wherever? I'm like, because Nintendo took the game down. Yeah. And that is a ridiculous thing to have to explain to somebody that a company just said, yeah, we don't want to sell this to you anymore. Not for any reason. Not because we're not going to make money or that it won't sell, but because we deemed it an anniversary collection. Despite 3D All-Stars not having an anniversary badge or any real anniversary type element to it. It was just then, an excuse for them not to offer the game for a longer period of time. Do you guys remember the Kirby collection thing on the on the Wii? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was that timed? No, because they did a bunch. They did like the... Um... Like a bundle and stuff, right? Well, yeah. They yeah did it was Super was... Nintendo games, Game Boy games, the... What was in the collection? Because it was a nice bundle. Well, they did it with Mario too for Mario's. What was this? 20th? Yeah, the, the, the Mario All Stars. Yeah. They re-released it for the twenty fifth. Yeah, 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 twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah, neither of those were timed, right? Right. Someone will make the argument of semantics in the comment section of saying every single physical release is a timed window <laughs> where they print it for be it two years or four years. So they'll make that argument. Those games may have had a run of let's say two years in the physical space. But it's not the same thing as what we saw with the 3D All-Stars well, or even Fire Emblem. They'd still be a, a, available digitally on the Wii, probably. Yeah, the, you, could guess... buy, you, know, you could buy all the games from the Mario collection digitally. Yeah. So it's kind yeah, of... With, and, yeah, with 3D All-Stars, you can't buy those games. There is yeah, no means no of way. playing Mario 64, Sunshine, or Galaxy in the way that the... 3D All-Star Collection delivered them. You can play Mario 64 on the NSO app, which isn't the exact same emulation that we got in the 3D All-Stars release. Right. Yeah. It, it 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 makes no sense. It's just a weird it's a weird thing that Nintendo does. And the thing that bothers me the most about it is if it was any other company, people would be up in arms. If it was PlayStation, if it was Xbox and they were doing something like that, people would be pissed off, but because it's Nintendo, just give them a pass sometimes. So I, don't I know. think it's because it's almost expected from Nintendo. Like it's not surprising, but I feel like if one of those did it, it'd be like, oh, holy what? Because I feel like they've set such a precedent for it, especially in the Switch era. Here's a God of War collection. You got a year to buy it and then never again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, another bit of news was, of course, Sega with the Game Awards. They had some interesting things pop up there but after the game awards some more trademarks were found and it seems like they're going uh balls deep here the other trademarks that were found that were not revealed during the game awards include alex kid afterburner house of the dead which is interesting outrun and super monkey ball so it looks like they may be going to some other things there was also um altered beast Kid Chameleon. Um, one more. What was the other one? But basically, there, there's a bunch of freaking Sega IPs that look to be being revived. 
so what were we thinking about this here? Are they are they going to? Oh, uh, Eternal Champions. That was the other one, which was very interesting. But you know what 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 do we what do we think we're doing here? Because some of these, you know, like an Afterburner and Outrun. Okay, you know that's that's obviously nothing too crazy. But like an Eternal Champions. Like, that's a niche game to begin with because it came out on the Genesis and it, then there was a Sega CD version that was enhanced and it's a fighting game, but they said they couldn't, you know, they were wondering how they were going to do Virtual Fighter. How far do we think Sega is going to take this stuff? And then I guess to tie it in in Nintendo, do we see these games coming to Nintendo platforms? Yeah, I feel like they can... I mean, depending on how well I think the first slew of them sell, I think that maybe they could reassess after that and decide if they want to go all in on these other projects. But I, the thing that is weird to me is that I feel like a lot of the other games they announced, like a Golden Axe and a Crazy Taxi, might sell pretty well because of the name. But like, if Sega's putting out a new, like I don't know, like half the games you said, I had no clue what they were. So, so Afterburner and Outrun were very popular arcade games. Um, okay. They were some of Sega's like first really big games. And then um, they were last seen, you had Afterburner Climax on the PlayStation 3, which was a digital-only smaller release, and it was a really good game. And you had Outrun uh, Coast to Coast, on the PS2 and the Xbox, which still holds up extremely, extremely well. They also did a, I think they did a PS3 like re-release digitally for that game. I could be wrong. Don't crucify me in the comments. But like Altered Beast and stuff, like it's always been trash. I don't care what anyone says. Kid Chameleon was like <laughs> one and done. It was a one and done Sega game, but it was when Sega was trying to find their mascot. Um for the system and like Kid Chameleon came before Sonic the Hedgehog and they did one game. Uh, Kid Chameleon is on the Sega Genesis online stuff, but it, it just uh, seems, it just seems kind of, I, I guess I would say it seems almost weird. Cause it's almost like a light switch went off for this company. And they're like, Hey, wait a minute. We we got all these, we got all these old games. We got all these old properties and stuff. Maybe, maybe we should do something with them. Like I, I, yeah. I I'd love mm -hmm. to have been a fly on the wall when they were deciding that sort of thing yeah i mean my fear is that it feels as though it's a bit of a scattershot approach and when it comes to sega i'm just not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the majority of these projects because we've seen the type of effort that sega has done with some past releases where they just make a baffling decision around the game where you have to sit back and say are we going to get quality from these releases if they do intend on revisiting a number of these franchises and you know based on what we saw at the game awards we saw crazy taxi and crazy taxi was a very popular game 20 years ago we haven't seen a new crazy taxi since crazy taxi 3 from the original xbox how much appeal is that style of game going to have now in 2024 2025 when the game does come out is it going to be a full release is it going to be a games as a service style release what are we going to get from that and when you look at just the lineup that they did show at the game awards shinobi i would say appears to be the most promising it has a good developer behind it the art style looks exquisite and it's going to be something that old school shinobi fans will be able to look forward to jet set radio we have to see what they deliver with that game. We've seen a number of clones come out over the years, and none of them have been able to capture the essence that made Jet Set Radio such a fun and charming title, as it were, back on the Dreamcast. But will that style of game resonate strong enough with the modern-day gaming community that Sega sees a sizable portion of sales? Then the other, you know, the IPs that you mentioned that they had issued trademarks for, how big of an audience is there really for something like Kid Chameleon or really the majority of them? They were iconic in their day, but their day was 25 to 30 years ago. Is there an audience that is hungry for those games to come back? In their minds, yes, until you see a modern adaptation of them and you realize maybe the game isn't as good as Nostalgia tells me. I don't know if Sega is equipped enough to do these games justice. And that is my concern. I would love for them to deliver high quality for all these franchises. But has Sega really instilled anything to give you confidence that they can do that? 
I think what the main thing it boils down to is, is are we saying these are all $60 games and stuff like that? Like, hopefully not. No, like I would anticipate that some of these would be digital only games that maybe come in at $25, $30 tops. A hand few would be $60 games. And those would be the bigger titles like Crazy Taxi, maybe Jet Set Radio, but the vast majority forty dollars or less it's the only way i could see them finding really any sense of success with them if they come in at sixty dollars for like a kid chameleon who's gonna spend it but i mean in that in that sort of regard i think if these are you know thirty forty dollar releases i think that could possibly entice people a bit more because yeah mm-hmm you know, kind of bring back and, you know, Sega's done it with stuff like, um, Sonic mania. That wasn't a full price game. Sonic mania plus wasn't right. a full price game. So there mm-hmm. is somewhat of a precedent set there, but yeah, like the appeal is like mid thirties and up dudes who play these games, like Joe Redifer from game sack. Like he's probably got a chub right now. Just thinking of all these, potential games because he loves old Sega stuff but how many people you know are you going to just cater to to the the handful of people who still played video games that played them in the 80s or are you going to cater to a more wide and diverse audience and I'm not sure that right I'm not sure that yeah. Sega's like ever really correct me if I'm wrong but have they ever really like maybe Sonic but Sonic was always had appeal with a younger audience just because you know, it's bright, it's flashy, it's colorful, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like they haven't really taken, like, other games mm-hmm. and really led them up to this point to where... Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Sonic is the only game that they've really been able to cater to a worldwide appeal. Everything else has their designation for this specific region that they were targeting. And you can look at a title like Shenmue. Shenmue was definitely kind of catering to a mix of the Japanese and a Western audience a bit, but you would definitely say it probably leaned heavily more towards the Japanese audience than it did for a North American base. And I mean, when you look at some of their more, I guess, mascot cartoony characters, what else do they really have in their catalog? Rystar? Hey, hey, they could do a new Rystar. That'd be cool. (laughs) Echo, Echo, they got Echo. No, we we can leave Echo the Dolphin back where he belongs in the what? early 2000s. Dude, it's about like fucking <laughs> the earth and stuff and that's a whole big thing now. People love that. You could just make it like Echo tries to stop global warming and pollution Jeez. and stuff like that. Like give him a little bit of tune. Like you get, free sh- Echo. Yeah. You got Shadow, <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog. You could um you could bring him back. Shadow could be the bad guy. In the Echo game, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good thing. But like Eternal Champions, that one definitely caught me off guard because it wasn't it, it, Eternal Champions to me was Sega released a game and they were like, all of these characters are gonna be spinoff characters and they're all gonna get their own games because the dude with the hat, I think it was like a detective or something in the game. He ended up getting a spinoff game. It was on the Game Gear. And I really feel like that was like the move with that. And then nobody really liked the game. And so they're like, oh, fuck. What are we going to do here? And so like to, to see that potentially brought back, it's like, well, why not Virtual Fighter <laughs> instead? Like you said, he had some trouble modernizing Virtual Fighter for a for a more modern audience. How, how are you going to sell them Eternal Champions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Virtual Fighter is still a franchise with name recognition. It's still something that the fighting game community would be able to recognize that people of our generation have fond memories of. The youthful generation doesn't know what a Virtual Fighter is, but that's okay. If you can come in with a nice, strong Virtual Fighter release, especially in this age of the fighting genre renaissance where we've seen Tekken, Street Fighter, and so many others just be completely reborn and find strong new bases. It's time for Virtual Fighter to try that, but it's it's Sega. Sega's likely overthinking the situation, and if they do come out with a Virtual Fighter, it's either not going to deliver to the hype, or it's just going to be like, yep, this is exactly what Virtual Fighter was, and 
you made the exact same virtual fighter game again i just i need sega to make something or show deliverables what they showed of shinobi is promising but like comic zone are there that many people really hankering for a new comic zone well they're also potentially doing a movie of comic zone though so that was because that was the rumor that jet set radio and comic zone were getting movies why i don't fucking josie what's your favorite virtua fighter game and why I have not played Virtual Fighter. <laughs> you absolute I, heathen. Yeah, well, I, I feel like when I grew up, Sega wasn't really, like, it was just kind of Sonic, and that was their thing. And yes. they haven't really been around for a lot of my... But I think I think with these games, it could be cool, but I'm also worried about the volume of games that they're announcing. Like, how soon after these, after one comes out, do you think the other one's following it up? Because these, these kind of seem to me like like a bunch of little shots in the dark until you find one that sticks. It's I think the concern would be more whoever they who are they partnering with to mm-hmm. revitalize some of these franchises. Like they partnered with Forever Entertainment to do Panzer Dragoon and House of the Dead. And depending on your barometer of quality, <laughs> those titles may have reached that threshold or they may Greatness. have come below. Look, it was it was the way to play Panzer and it was a way to play House of the Dead. And I think I think they hit the mark when it, hey, I said I was a fanboy for both of those in my videos, so don't come at me. But no, you're right. But I, I do feel like if they are smaller projects, like you could do one every like three months or something like that. I'd be like, okay, here's another game, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the bigger projects. Also, Josie, mm-hmm. you own an Xbox Series S. Uh, mm-hmm. You can get Virtual Fighter 2, the arcade version, via the Xbox 360 arcade. So if you search for it in the shop, you could get it there. It's like $5. Okay. I expect you to buy it and give me a full report <laughs> next time we record. <laughs> Which could be a live show. But... Could, could, oh, could be. Could be. But, hey. Yeah. Like, you, you, look at, you look at titles like Streets of Rage 4. Phenomenal. That's a great game. A fantastic game because they had the right developer on it. And I believe that might be the developer doing Shinobi, at least based on the art style and such. Well, then so, I think they they said who's doing Shinobi. They confirmed it was Lizard. Yes. Okay. So that game, I have no fears about because we've yeah. seen the quality of work that that studio can do. But then they show some weird 3D Streets of Rage at Tokyo at the Game Awards. And my first thought is, oh, no, you just hit a home run. Why are you making the bouncer? Streets of Rage style game and who is developing it. And I get it was extremely early, but I just have concerns about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also worried about how they're gonna bring a lot of these games into the to the new consumers. Like I I mean, I would assume they're almost just targeting like people who grew up with them and maybe seeing if there's an audience and then maybe expanding on the title like with a sequel or something. But like how do you make Crazy Taxi relevant now, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all you really need. <laughs> What's that? Oh my Christ! Have you never played Crazy Taxi? No. This is who they're trying to sell games to, Sean. Well, I'm gonna. Uh, it's okay. You can get Crazy Taxi on the Xbox 360 God store. God damn it! <laughs> there will be. There are links in our chat for um <laughs> for Virtual <laughs> Fighter, and now there is a link for Crazy Taxi. Are these can- affiliate links? No, they're just through the Xbox oh, store. Yeah. So you click them and then you install it to your system. Right. I believe that is also right. a $5. Can people game. still buy Daytona on 360 or is that taken down? No, it, it's oh, still I've there. Oh, I played Daytona. It's there. Okay. Oh, you probably never arcade. played Knights either. That's a $10 one, though. So oh, we'll, God. We'll, we'll wait until after Christmas. So much that. money. Uh, only up to $10 for these two games. All right. And then we're going to talk a little bit, obviously, with the year winding down. You start to look forward to the next year. And I think next year could be an interesting year for Nintendo, as pretty much every year is interesting for every video game company. But I kind of want to go over some some 2024, I guess, thoughts and expectations. Um, we do have some games that have been announced. Um, 
mostly remasters of stuff. Luigi's Mansion 2 HD. We have um, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. We do have a new title with uh, uh, Princess Peach. I forget the name of it. Showtime. Super Princess Peach! Um, another code comes out next month. Looking forward to selling 150,000 copies of that. Um, but what are we, what, what are we thinking? Cause we assume that there's going to be some sort of February Nintendo direct. I, I am guessing unless they're hold off on it because they're doing something in April to announce something. But what do we see at, at that event? You know, is it just going to be more of, of the games we already know about? Will there be some surprises? Will there be some hints? How do we see 2024 playing out? Because I feel like all three of us are kind of of the mindset that, hey, there's there's going to be new hardware this year. But how do you circumvent your first big event of the year by trying to trick people that there's that there's not going to be? Because that's essentially what you're going to do. Well, how, how are we looking for 2024? I think it's going to be a lot of remasters. Like, I think we're going to get the... I think if we get a February Direct, it's not going to tell us almost anything about the second half of the year. Like, it'll maybe give us another remaster for, like, April or something, or or May, for whatever whatever month is empty right now. And then I think at some point, like, probably in a June or later Direct, we'll see something about the the next console. But I don't feel that they'd want to announce bigger games, because then people would just... It's like they they'd be like, oh, that that's obviously not running on a switch. That's a that's a new hardware, right? Well, I don't know because they fooled uh, a bunch of people with uh, Mario and Rabbids. There was one guy can't remember his name, but he was like a hundred percent sure a video game journalist. He was a hundred percent sure that that was running on Switch Two hardware, but then of course it, it wasn't. So I don't know. Maybe that could fool some people, especially I guess right. if if there is, um backwards compatibility you know you could that's true you might could do something like that nate what are, what are we thinking it's going to be a very interesting first few months of the year to see how nintendo is going to approach 2024 and if we have a direct in february i don't necessarily think that would set the tone for the year because nintendo does have to approach the first few months of the year in a very delicate manner they are still going to want to sell the switch and given if we are operating under the idea that there would be a February Direct, it would still remain in the current fiscal year that Nintendo is targeting those 15 million hardware sales. And by the time you know February really rolls around, or even the opening weeks of March, those sales have either been hit or missed at that point. So Nintendo will already know if they're going to achieve that goal, but we don't know what they're going to be forecasting for the coming fiscal year. And that could definitely dictate the type of games that we would see announced throughout 2024 for the current gen Switch. And there's definitely some outstanding games that are coming to the platform that have yet to be announced. A title that I've talked about throughout 2023 and even made reference to in 2022 is how Nintendo does have a remake of Fire Emblem 4 or Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War. And that is a Switch bound game. There's also been a lot of that talk that dates back to the summer when Jeff Grubb had mentioned that the release for Metroid Prime 2 would be soonish. So those are titles that, you know, easily could come out in 2024 and being remastered in remakes definitely aren't going to move the pendulum in terms of hardware sales significantly, but it does cater to the current install base with a nice offering and satisfying that need for something new. And the lineup that you had already detailed as for when nintendo would come out and really feel comfortable with revealing their plans for next generation hardware nintendo can go any number of ways with this they could come out in march and maybe finally acknowledge their next generation plans whether it would be with a meaningful reveal something similar to what we saw with the switch in october of 2016 or if it would just be a press release saying we have intentions of releasing new hardware in the coming fiscal year that concludes in March of 2025. They can definitely go both of those ways. 
But 2024 as a whole is going to be a very interesting year for Nintendo because if it is the advent of new hardware and the conclusion of the Switch, we could be seeing new installments of some of their bigger franchises, be it a 3D Mario game, a new Mario Kart, Metroid Prime 4. Who knows what they could have really offered to us. So this could be one of their bigger years since 2017, which I know you and I are in agreement that 2017 was kind of Nintendo just unloading everything they had at one calendar year to really establish the switch. And then 2018, 2019, I guess you could make the argument for the vast majority of the generation, Nintendo kind of coasted on the momentum that they had built, still releasing some quality titles here and there, but they knew you already had Mario Kart out, you had Splatoon 2, you had a Breath of the Wild, you had a 3D Mario with Mario Odyssey out in that first nine months and they knew we can coast now we have our big hitters out these games are going to sell their evergreen so 2024 i think is a year that a lot of people have a lot of anticipation for because we should finally see what nintendo's doing with a lot of those iconic franchises again that have been absent since 2017 or even 2018 so big year definitely an exciting one for nintendo fans And ideally, we don't get a long, dragged-out 10-month cycle of rumors regarding the hardware. If Nintendo can confirm it as early as they can, give us a window of release, that should, you know, minimalize a lot of the nonsensical rumors that you see populate the YouTube sphere even this month. I think, uh, here's a question I have. Is there, what's, give me a percentage likelihood that next year, at this time, we're talking about the potential for the next system. Do you think that there's a chance that 2024 comes and goes and they don't say jack shit about anything? I think there's it's... a chance that we don't hear about anything, but I think there's a chance it doesn't come out and then it comes out March 2025. And does that chance exist? Yes. There's definitely never going to be a 0% chance of something happening because this is such a fluid industry where if there's just a backup of something or if Nintendo faces some cataclysmic event where every game that they are developing just stalls and they say, well, we have to delay the release of the hardware so we get software up to par, that would delay things. But I cannot foresee anything for the coming calendar year of 2024 where there is no mention and no release of hardware interesting i mean i i hope so i mean i i still love still love the switch but shit's getting rough out there man you know when you watch the game awards and every game that pops up isn't coming to the system at some point in time, you know, I know a lot of people buy Nintendo stuff for first-party games, but people like third-party games as well. Not everyone has your gaming tastes and your gaming palette. Well, even the first-party games, they're mostly like remasters going into this into 2024. So I, I think that's a surefire indicator that something big is hopefully coming that year. What if something big doesn't come, though, Josie? Um, then hopefully we're just left ar- waiting. It's it it arrives in 2025, and I I can see it happening in March, but maybe like we hear about it for the holiday or something early. I don't think it will, but I can kind of see Nintendo pulling something crazy and doing it. I don't I don't think they talk about it before March 31st. I I just I don't. I think April, April and onward, fair game. You could talk about it April, May, have it come out and. October, September, and then bam. Then they talk about the Switch. The Switch was a different beast. They talked about the Switch in an October. They did an event showcasing the Switch, and it was available in March. Um, You see, that's the thing, is that in April 2016 is when they had put out a press release and said that their next platform, known as NX, would be coming out this fiscal year that concludes in March. And they were saying the target window of release was March of 2017. So a lot of the rumor and anticipation around the NX was just when are they going to announce it? Because the summer had gone by and then we were in September and people saying, we're nearing October now. We're getting into the holiday season. And Nintendo said this thing's coming out in March and they haven't communicated anything. But we were also coming off the Wii U, which was already a failure after it 
about six months of launch. So it, they didn't have to really, you know, jeopardize any type right. of holiday sales, but the switch is winding down. And that is a fact that a lot of people are still very resistant to accepting is that the sales are in decline. They're declining in North America. They're declining in Japan, not at a significant margin, but they are in decline. In Europe, they are declining. So if they hit that 15 million figure, what are they realistically going to be forecasting for the coming fiscal year? 12 and a half million? 10 million? It's hard to say. And that will dictate a lot of what they're going to be outputting in terms of software, because you're not going to put a huge AAA six-year development cycle game on a piece of hardware that you as a company know you're ready to put out to pasture. I agree. I, I it'll, it'll be interesting. And, you know, a lot of speculation leading up to it. But like you said, hopefully sooner rather than later for, I guess, the sake of Nintendo only YouTubers, because God damn, they're <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel. And our debate, an interesting debate. Some people will probably get offended with this. We will be debating on the best holiday dish for the Christmas season. This comes down to personal tastes. So with personal tastes, you always have a bit of a bit of scrutiny. We're going to start off with Josie, though, because she's Amish. And I'm not Amish. You have an Are Amish. you a Mennonite? She had, dude. You should have seen the shirt she was wearing on. It was. Podcast. It's a nice shirt. It's an Amish shirt. It, it, it is had, not Amish. It had like it was like a white shirt, and it had like the frills along the collar, and it like went down. And so it like, did not have. Sh- did you look like Jerry frills. Seinfeld as a pirate? It was kind no, of. The, it was kind of like literally the lying shirt. to you. It did not have any frills. But there's no proof Watch because you put a, you you put a jacket on. Watch the after after show. Oh. I was. Yeah, disrobing on the after show. See, you got to watch the after show, yeah, folks. Yeah. Um, Josie, what's your favorite okay. holiday dish for the Christmas <laughs> Christmas season? Um, okay, so I wasn't super sure how we were gonna do this, but I chose a dessert. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, I chose classically, um, chocolate chip cookies because I think they're so versatile, and my grandma makes them, what? and they. I just it's we're doing personal taste and I feel like my family doesn't but really how do is that Christmas holiday Christ- because they, chocolate chip cookies are year round. She puts little Santa hats on them. Uh, the Santa hat. All right. Well, I guess that makes it a little more. So that's yeah. pretty festive. Um, they are pretty festive. They're very nice. Is and it, it's, is it uh, a it's, crunchy cookie or a soft cookie? They're usually soft, which I prefer. I like kind and, of in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after a day or so, it's not that bad. But um, I just think that I think they fit any occasion. It's not like we have to sit down to eat them. You can enjoy them at any time of the day, pretty much. Um, and it's just like a little cookie too, so it's not like too much of a commitment. And I I like that you can snack on them throughout the day if you if you feel the need to do so. That's a that sure is a pick. Uh, Nate, what are we going with here? I have a feeling I know, but what are we going with? I'm going to go with an Italian classic, and I'm going to go with the Managoth, because you just can't go wrong with that. It's delicious. Season it proper. It comes out hot and delicious. And if I had to go with a a secondary backup option, it would be, you know, the bacala, bacala. And I know some people will say, what is that? Especially, you know, John, because John doesn't know what food is unless it has whey protein in it. <laughs> so, you know, those are those would be my two picks, because when I think of Christmas, you know, my family does the Feast of the Seven Fishes, an Italian and Portuguese tradition. And, you know, I could have done the spaghettis with clam sauce and stuff like that, but I'll stick with the true classics. Well, my Italian family, we do not do seven stars sea of stars they remove gerard um we go with more traditional stuff so the king of the the feast is not the lasagna although the lasagna is very good it's the good old traditional glazed pineapple included ham that you can't go wrong with the ham because the ham you, you you eat the ham, right? You, you get the slice of ham, you eat it. But then the ham is still there. And so then you get the little snowflake rolls, and then you make ham sandwiches at night. 
It doesn't have to be warm ham. It could be room temperature ham. It doesn't matter. It could be cold ham. The ham is always good. You can't eat a cold See? cookie or a cold piece of fish. Well, I mean, you could. But you can eat a cold cookie. It's not as good. You don't lose any quality with a cold ham versus a warm ham. You lose you quality see, with all of that. But ham is just gross. See, wow. I'm not a ham. I'm not a ham fan myself. So, <laughs> like, if I had to go like with a, wet. if I had to go with like a meat dish, especially around Christmas, you know, I would do some charisse. You get a nice fresh pop dish. You bake the charisse. You put that into a sandwich, and that's just perfect. Are you a big fan of charisse, uh, Josie? I don't think I know what that is. You don't know what Charisse is? I don't think so. It works down at the corner store? No. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what the what fuck that is. I don't know what the fuck it is either. It's a Portuguese sausage. Oh. oh. I do like... I do like a, but, like, I'm not eating sausage on fucking Christmas. You know what I'm saying? I'm eating well, fucking... No, it's like a snack. It's a snack. Oh. Uh, I didn't really... Yeah, we didn't really... Because you could have some prosciutto with a, a, a cheese cube. You know, as you're oh, waiting. I have some prosciutto and melon. Because, like, my fucking cousin, she's not coming over till fucking nighttime. I'm not waiting around for her. Like, let's get this show on the road. Let's let's fucking, you know, let's eat. Open some goddamn gifts. All right? Sorry things didn't work out <laughs> with your ex-husband, and he gets the kids in the morning. <laughs> Lord. But that's not my fucking problem. Like, come on, damn it. So what, what do you put in your lasagna? You got some ricotta? Yeah, well, grandma makes it, but yeah, right, yeah, yeah, okay. dude. It's fucking. Do you know that Southerners use cottage cheese? What? Whoa. Yes, I, I. That's vile. Sounds disgusting. My housemate made a big lasagna thing, because like he was the cook guy, so we would all just give him money, and then he would go shopping, and he made this big ass lasagna, and he was so excited for me to try it. I stuck my fork in it, put it in my mouth, and said, "What the fuck am I eating?" He was like, lasagna. I said, what the fuck is in this? And he was like, oh, you know, cottage cheese. I said, cottage cheese? I said, get this away from me. I ordered a pizza and just ate the pizza. <laughs> and then some fucking lady at work who was an older Southern lady, she made lasagna and she brought it in for everyone. I said, what is in this? She said, well, you know, cottage cheese. I said, why the fuck is there cottage cheese in my goddamn? I'm not eating this. I'm not eating this. And I went to the pizza place. And got a slice of pizza instead. Like, <laughs> I know there's going to be some other fucker in the comments. Oh, I put cottage cheese. It's disgusting. Cottage cheese <laughs> is like the worst food in the world. You Do know who puts cottage cheese probably in their lasagna? John. Yes. 100, 110%. 110%. Of course he does. Because because a lot of healthy people, they use cottage cheese. I was watching like pizza crust videos. And a lot of people use cottage cheese. They say it's just for, like, consistency. You don't actually taste it. But just the thought of there being cottage cheese. Here's where my cottage cheese problem started. It's second or third grade. There's this girl named Rachel. She's a ginger, very pale skin. She ate her boogers. Like, literally, she oh. would, you would see her dig into her oh, nose and eat her boogers. But the teacher said we couldn't make fun of her. We're sitting there in the lunchroom one day. And I'm sitting across from her for some reason. And she has this, this fucking tub, like probably 12 ounces of cottage cheese. She's just sticking her little Jesus. spoon in there, scooping it up. And I'm just like, all right, that's disgusting. And then she sneezed into the cottage cheese and continued to eat it like nothing was wrong. And I was like, what, what is going on here? But you couldn't say anything because you can't you can't pick on the booger eater girl. But she had boogers with her cottage cheese. And I was like, this is fucking this is insane. This is insane. So ever since then, just the thought, the, the visual, the smell of cottage cheese is just gross. And you know how like if you get like a, a nasty pimple, like a, something where it like you know, you got to squeeze it and like the, the pus comes out. That's what I think of cottage cheese. Like that is oh. the cheese you're, you're, you're cheesing. Yikes. Mm. So ham has to win this. I don't know. What's wrong with the I'm money? Not a ham person. Nope. Nobody knows what Nate's dish is. And a cookie is what you leave out for Santa with some fucking milk. Like you're a, yeah, a toddler. You know what my dish is. But the audience does it. 
Someone, someone will. I mean, do I? I'll Americanize it for him. Manicot. Still, I don't think he did enough because Josie still stuff has no shells. Idea. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know what stuff shells are, Josie? I do. My okay. grandma makes those. Does she season her cheese? Well, what's of your course. grandma? What's your where's your grandma from? What is she? Irish? You look Irish. Italian. Is she? Yeah. Oh, playing field just got a little bit more interesting. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> we'll a... Wait, wait, wait. Your grandmother's Italian. Yeah. And your cookie of choice is chocolate chip cookies. Isn't she making like pizzelas and the Italian Anginettes. lemon? Yeah. Not really. What? See, we have both. I don't know. We have, well, there's three cookies. We have the chocolate chip. But sometimes she goes to Big Y and buys them because those big one, those big Y ones, fucking slap, and you could get like a big ass thing of it. So sometimes she won't do it, but she'll do a brownie instead of that. But then there's Anjanettes. Half of them are frosted, half of them are not. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. So vote. Yeah, those are amazing, especially with them frosted. Oh man, vote for the um. Clear cut winner, the the traditional one, the comfort food, the one that makes you just fall asleep on the couch until some little shithead kid wakes you up for some. I need to put batteries in this. Go fucking ask someone else. What is wrong with you? I'm sleeping. Vote with the with the winner. Vote for a tradition. Uncle, I'm sure. I'm not. Well, I'm technically not an uncle. I don't have okay. any siblings. When I was a child, I used to tell my mom that if she had another kid, I would kill it. And I guess she. She knew I wasn't bluffing because she never had another kid. Jesus Christ. I fucking meant that shit, too. I am not sharing shit with nobody. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. Go away. Um, I'm surprised she didn't bring me to a therapist after that. But hey, Yeah, that's know. insane. She made the right choice. Um, <laughs> This was our holiday special. We will be off <laughs> until the January rolls around. Possibly some big changes coming here. Um, trying to invigorate this Patreon because... God knows John isn't doing dick with it. Um, before we go, though, I want to give a huge thank you once again to our producer, Trent A., our executive producers, William Hoag, Mr. Joby, Joshua Butts, a.k.a. The Butt Man, Jono, Achievement, and, of course, the sponsor, The Game Orb. Make sure you guys go check him out. There's a link in the description box down below to their channel. Check him out on Twitch. I just had an alert go off, so that's going to be in the video, too. But that's okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, be safe. Have a good holiday season. Don't do anything too crazy. Don't get arrested. Don't fight your family because you got drunk and whatever. I don't, I don't know what happens in your house. I'm just... Personal experience? No, we're, 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 we're decent when we drink and just chill. Um, I'm Margie T85, joined, as always, by Josie Will. Josie, say your goodbyes. Goodbye, thank you. We're gonna shoot a bonus show, so check out the Patreon if you'd like to hear that. What do we do with that? Now, I thought. What? No, you're you're wrong. No. But hey, check oh, okay. out check Jersey's out. We have, lying to you. Yeah, we we have bonus shows, so check out the Patreon. Yeah, do that. Good plug. And uh, Nate. Yes, everyone have happy holidays, and if you would like to surprise your family this year. Make some anginets or pizzelas or some managot, and your family will thank you for satisfying their taste bud with delicious delights. Or the Italian peninsula. Or buy them the complete guide to the Sega 32X, available now on Amazon. <laughs> Makes a great holiday gift. We'll see you all next year.